It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Yeah, I am excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Patrick Schwartfeger. Patrick is a motivational speaker and a leading authority on global business trends, including big data, demographic forecasting, and the social media revolution. He's lectured at companies and numerous academic institutions, and is the author of several books, including the award-winning book, Marketing Shortcuts for the Self-Employed. Patrick, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, thanks so much, Andy. I'm happy to be with you today. Well, thanks for joining me. So, um, gosh, yeah, you you are a motivational speaker. You also, I'm just to understand the global trends. I thought we'd maybe give people a dose of motivation, inspiration to uh, in the audience today. So, maybe before we get to that, is take a minute, introduce yourself, tell us you know, how how you got to the point where you are today. How'd you get into this business as a motivational speaker and a, you know business trends expert? Yeah, you know, it's been, I mean, it's been a winding path. It certainly wasn't a straight shot for me, uh, Andy, but it was, as far as speaking goes, I mean, I, I wanted to be a speaker when I was, you know, 10 years old. I mean, I, I've just, and I think many really? people- I mean, you knew, who, back, you knew as early as then. Yeah, I really did. I grew up in Canada, but, you know, I used to see Ronald Reagan on TV, you know, back in, in those, uh, I'm 45, so I was born in 1971. Uh, so when I was a teenager, you know, he was, uh, he was in office and I used to go to church when I was growing up and I used to look at those pastors and I, I just, in all those situations, I used to think, gosh, I want to do that. I want to be the one up there spreading a message of some kind. And I, I have to tell you as well, by the way, that, you know, motivational speaker, I mean, am I a motivational speaker? I don't know that I am. I mean, I'm a, I'm a content speaker. I cover content. I cover specific topics. Uh, you know, I'm not a rah-rah, you know, go, you know, get up and scream and give each other high fives and so on. You know, I don't, I don't do that kind of stuff at all. But at the same time, you have to be motivational. I mean, you have to be inspirational. That's what leadership is, is, is taking the initiative and going out there and doing something and leading by example. And, and that just, you know, by its own essence, is motivational and inspirational to others. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of followed this, you know, my whole life. And I, I always, truthfully, I always thought I had to have like some unbelievable, indisputable victory in my life in order to justify a career as a speaker. And that that victory never came. I, mean, I, I was, you know, I was a successful at things. I did well at this and that, but I never had some astonishing victory uh, to lean on. But I just kind of kept doing it and, and slowly but surely, kind of brick by brick, you know, you kind of build those, you lay those bricks one on top of the other. And, and you know, what I really learned, just to jump right in, frankly, is, is the road to being is through doing. Like when you do this stuff, when you do these things, you become that person. Just like, you know, here you are, you're doing these podcasts, you've done, you know, almost 200 of them. I mean, you've become that authority because you are you are channeling that content and that expertise. And, and the same is true for me. I've, I've just done an awful lot of it. I've been full-time as a, as a speaker now for almost a decade, nine years, I guess, since I went full-time. And uh, you learn a lot along the way. And I, I'm super lucky to do what I do. It's, it's an incredible, 
it's an incredible career, but it, it took a lot of work at the beginning. And there was, you know, five, six years where I made almost no money at all because I was trying to find my footing and find my bearings and sure. what's my message and where's my value. And I think we all kind of go through that process in life. Yeah. And that, interesting, you know, in, in what you've, you've written and it's, cause I want to talk about human potential. I want to talk about this growth mindset that, that you talk about is yeah. I thought really interesting phrase that you had is that uh, research has shown that living up to our potential is really just the beginning. And I thought that's such a interesting phrase because people don't think about, you know, if I live up to my potential, they sort of infer from that, that they're doing the best that they can. But what you're saying is you experience your own experiences that, yeah, just, yeah. That's just, that's just really opening the door to where I really can go. Well, I, I love it that you, you know, there's so much stuff that I've done over the years and you managed to, to find this, uh, which I love and I appreciate that you did that research. But it, it, yeah, I mean, what is your potential? I mean, that, that's my whole argument is that your potential is a moving target. Uh, people, they, you know, they believe that your, your potential is a static thing that you either achieve or you don't achieve. But the truth is that every time you do anything, the very act of doing that thing expands your potential. Like whatever it is, it doesn't even matter really what it is. Any anytime, I put it this way: anytime you do something that's outside of your comfort zone, and you push yourself into doing something that you haven't done before, or you're you're not yet comfortable doing, you don't necessarily have a lot of confidence doing that yet. Every time you do something like that, it expands your potential, which means you're chasing something that's expanding in front of you, uh, and that's why you see. You know what? I remember when I was in high school and and university up in Canada, and you know, in those early years of life, I don't know if this was true for you, but for me, I, I always kind of figured that everyone was pretty similar and, you know, everyone's life reality seemed to be, you know, similar in many respects. But then you get out of university and you start a career and you start going out into the world and, you know, some people just kind of do the same thing that they're comfortable doing over and over again. And they, you know, kind of stay there because that's where they're comfortable and that's where their confidence is and so on. But other people are like, no, I want to do more. I want to, I want to try this. I want to try that. And, and that's what a growth mindset is all about, by the way, is, is the belief that you can learn something is that you can, if you don't know something today, that doesn't mean that you won't know it tomorrow. You can learn it. You can become more proficient at it. And actually, you know, it's, it's interesting on this same topic, there, there was at the UBC, University of British Columbia, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There, there was a, a huge uh, pool up there, a swimming pool, and it had three diving boards, and one was very low, and the second was kind of the standard height, and then the mm -hmm. third one was really tall. Yeah, and the 10-meter platform. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, to go right to that tall platform is really hard. I mean, for me, I mean, I, I just chickened out. I couldn't, I literally went down the ladder once because I was just too afraid. But, but if <laughs> yeah, you work, I think I would be too. That's a long <laughs> ways up there. Yeah. And it, but this is life, right? I mean, you, it's easier if you do the short one first and do it five times and do the next one and do that one five times. And it's incredible how quickly your, your mind adjusts. Uh, people, you know, they, they, we, I talk about rapid skill acquisition, like how do you learn something quickly? And one of the best ways to learn something quickly, anything is immersion, intentional immersion. You immerse yourself into it. You do it 10 times in a row. You go out and, and do something you're not comfortable doing 10 times in a row. And it's amazing. Just after 10 attempts, you're more comfortable at the 10th attempt than you were at the first. 
Uh, well, I think it's part of the key of what you're talking about too is is with this is yeah, having gone off that that lower diving board ten times is not to be satisfied with that accomplishment. I mean, maybe there's some people that are, and that's perfectly fine. But yeah, if you're aspiring to more, is inevitably you got to turn your vision a little bit higher. Yeah, well, I mean, you hit on something that's that's interesting and, and maybe even a little bit sobering because you know, does everybody aspire for more? And the answer is is really no. I mean, it's it's neither good nor bad, but it's definitely true. I mean, they've done a lot of research in this area. This is why I believe that. You know, the, the term motivational speaker is something that I always I have some cognitive dissonance around that term, just because I don't believe that you can take someone who's inherently not motivated or, or, or maybe better said, does not aspire for more mm-hmm. and somehow turn them into someone who does aspire for more. Uh, and, and there's actually a third category in the middle, which is someone who doesn't aspire for more because they don't believe that they're capable of it. And, and there, there, that's like the undecided vote in the political arena, right? Those are the folks you can actually influence in the positive direction. Oh, I wish we had that the, ballot choice in the presidential election. <laughs> undecided, oh, unfortunately. Oh we just, well, I guess we cannot vote, I guess that's, but uh, it'd be nice to have that well, on the ballot. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, this election season, we're just appealing to the negative, the negative, the fears of everything on both sides, not the positives, which I think is really sad, but... In any case, I mean, it, you know, who aspires for more? I mean, I, I think inevitably for people like myself and, and I suspect, you know, for you too, Andy, is, is that our, the real goal is to identify the people who have that, that belief or at least that they, they think they can. They think it's possible. Uh, and, and then dig into those people and show them, yeah, absolutely. You got to start. Do something. Do something. Take a step forward. You know, the, the brick wall is, is a metaphor that I've used you know, in, in, in a lot of my work, you know, if you see, you walk down, you know, the sidewalk and there's three bricks on the side of the road, you know, it's garbage. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. There's nothing there. Right. But if you take those bricks and you start stacking them and you start putting more and one more, one more, one more, one more, each brick on its own doesn't mean much. You know, that doesn't look like much one brick in your hand. It's nothing. But when you keep stacking them, eventually you've got a wall there. You know, and then you turn the corner and a second wall and you keep building, keep building. Eventually, you, you know, we've got buildings out there that are 10 stories tall, all made out of brick. Those buildings were built one brick at a time. And it, everyone's always looking for, you know, I think that's kind of one of the downfalls of our, you know, of our culture, our kind of celebrity oriented culture is that people are always looking for these, these easy home answer. Runs. The easy answer. Yeah, the silver bullet and some huge victory. I was looking for it too. I'm guilty as charged. But the so, fact is, you know, you look at the, the successful people out there, and it turns out that those home run victories are pretty rare, even among those ranks. Well, and oftentimes we're built upon the same things you talked about sort of, you know, the hard work, the small victories accumulating up to presenting an opportunity for a large victory. Yeah, I mean, you put your, you're absolutely, you know what, absolutely. You put yourself in a position to win. Uh, you just keep doing, in football, I've always been a big fan of football. My dad went to Notre Dame, so I grew up watching football. And we always used to talk about the ugly yards, right? What are, you need someone to do the ugly yards, which are the yards that don't look glamorous and they don't, because what happens is it refocuses the defense on the run game, and that's what allows the deep ball 
uh, every now and again because they're not expecting it. You know, they're everyone's focused on the ugly yards, and that's where the real hard work. That's where the heavy lifting is: is the willingness to get up every day when you failed. You know, the last three days in a row, and try it a fourth time and see if you can make something happen. So, what's holding? people back. I mean, so I mean, I, I'm obviously a large part of this audience is uh, people in sales or sales and marketing is, is, you know, they operate in this comfort zone. And uh, there's another author out there who's been on the show, a guy named Jeff Shore, who's written about, you know, people have comfort addictions, right? So how do, how do you break people out of a comfort zone? What can they yeah, do? Okay. I mean, is there a process that they should follow? I mean, I know it's, we sort of, sort of this aspect of, hey, just do something, but yeah, a lot of times that's not, it's not inspirational for people. I mean, do you have something you it's know, easier said than done? Really practical. <laughs> well, I, the comfort addiction is, a, I love the phrase actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course there, there are practical uh, steps and it's something that, you know, you apply structure to these things. Of course they don't apply in all settings, but in, in the way I look at the world and the way I look at life is kind of a, a twofold approach which almost seems counterintuitive and so on the one hand it's thinking way bigger about what's possible and it is it is astonishing you know what you know you look at people like Elon Musk or you know the visionaries of our world who are doing really amazing things and you sit there and go gosh they got the same 24 hours every day that I do and they're doing so many things so on the one hand thinking way bigger like not a little bit bigger but take your goals and i mean 10 times bigger 100 times bigger like there are crazy things that are possible today, especially with technology on our side, and we can dig into that if you like. But the second thing is to make the immediate to-do item smaller. So you think bigger, but take smaller steps. Because you take a smaller step, it's easier to succeed, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you need to establish a pattern of success. Because it's a belief. It's beliefs. That's the enemy, right? That's what everybody struggles with. I mean, the comfort addiction is because they believe that they can achieve. They can be successful in that comfort zone. That's why they're addicted to it, because they don't have to confront failure. Right? Failure sucks. Well, and I think failure sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Really and I think what you're talking about, which is really important for people to understand, is that, that you know, we talk about a you know a growth mindset and living up to our potential and so on, that that you know, these things you're talking about, you know, the small steps and so on are learned behaviors. You know, yeah. people tend to think potential as being like a, a trait, right? I've got this trait, I'm, I'm limited, but, but it's really, it's, that's a learned behavior that, that people have that you, you think you're holding yourself back when you think I'm limited. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, by the way, we should give credit where credit is due. The, the growth mindset, that phrase came from Carol Dweck's, Carol Dweck's uh, best book, right? book, mindset, right? Mindset. Great book. Brilliant book and brilliant, brilliant woman. Uh, so, and I, I've spoken about about her concept many times, and, and it's the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. So, it's exactly what you just what you just expressed. So, people have this this idea that you know you have to be gifted or talented, for example, uh, to do these amazing things. And if you don't have that gift, well, you may as well just give up because there's no hope. And, and that's you know, there's no question that some people are gifted and talented. We all are in different ways. Uh, but that doesn't mean that someone who doesn't have, you know, we can't all be Michael Phelps, right? I'm not aspiring to be Michael Phelps. But just because I don't have that gift doesn't mean that I can't become an extraordinary swimmer. Yeah, I mean, I so, right, it sort of plays into Jeffrey Colvin's, you know, thesis and his book, Talent is Overrated, with, uh, you know, 10,000 yeah. hours of practice, right? That 
if we devote well, enough that, time to it, any of us can master something. Well, that's, but that's another, so that's another, gosh, we could talk for hours, I think you and I, but so the, the notion of the 10,000 hour rule, which of course has been, has been debated a little bit. Yes. A uh, lot as a matter so, of fact, yeah. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> and there's opinions on both sides and I'm not, I'm certainly not going to pick a side, but, but the argument that, uh, that's presented is that if you spend 10,000 hours on something, you're going to become world-class at it. And let's just pretend that that is true. Maybe it isn't in all cases, but let's assume that it is. Well, let's let's even assume that you can, you can achieve some mastery, let's say. Yeah. Well, that's my, uh, precisely like, do we all need to be like, for example, if your goal is to be successful or or let's, you know, put a monetary value on it. Like you want to become wealthy or success, you know, a millionaire, whatever, whatever label you choose to put, do you have to be world class to achieve that? No, no, and that's the whole the whole idea in, in rapid skill acquisition. Like, what's the what's the minimum number of hours that you need to invest to become proficient at something, right? Just to get to proficiency, right? It turns out that there, there's you know there's all kinds of theories on how to practice and how to kind of you know straddle the fail, failure line, which is a heightened sense of awareness in your brain, so you learn quicker in that environment. And immersion, what I referred to earlier, mm-hmm. so you do the practice all in a row. In as little as twenty hours, you can become very proficient at something. In, in my in my TEDx talk, I, I I talked about you know if you want to become a snowboarder or you want to get better at snowboarding, the difference between this is fascinating. The difference between Going and being on the mountain five days in a row versus being on the mountain one day every week for five weeks. In both cases, you're on the mountain for five days. But in the first case, you're immersed in it day after day. And so your subconscious mind becomes familiar with that environment and all kinds of observations that we're not even consciously aware of. They all take place all at the same time. And the learning curve just goes up much, much quicker. So you can, it's like moving to France to learn French rather than going to classes every week for months or years. You you just learn quicker if you immerse yourself into it and do it 10 times in a row or a hundred times in a row or a thousand times in a row. And you can be, you can get to that level of proficiency very quickly. You you don't need 10,000 hours to get to proficiency. You need 10,000 hours to be, to, to achieve mastery and be world-class do we need to be world class at something to live a happy, successful life? I would argue for the for most people, no, no, we don't. I mean, it's like, what are your goals really? I mean, I know what my goals are. I mean, I, I you know, I want to have a good life. I want to, I want love, respect, and choices. That, that's what I always yeah, come back well, I to. Yeah, that's a great a great way to phrase it. I mean, to me, I may, yeah. maybe the one thing I would add, and maybe this is just. Maybe because I'm come from a sales background and extremely competitive, but you know, I always to me, I always want to be challenged by something. You know, it's as I get older, you know, the one of my fears is that someday I'll wake up and and not want to be challenged. Yeah, it's, right? it's interesting. I mean, you, you get into Daniel Pink's book Drive. Yeah, you know, what what motivates people? Yeah, economy, mastery, and purpose. Yeah, we want we want to be stretching ourselves, but but that's but you get back to the comfort addiction. Some people don't have that, like what you just described, which I have too, by the way. But some people don't have that, like the, to be to want to be challenged. I remember there was a girl uh, years ago. I dated this girl, and and she said the one with uh, the long last name. <laughs> we talked about that before we came on the air. It's just it was a joke. As Patrick, who has a very long last name with what thirteen letters. 
that was dating yeah. someone whose whose name was fourteen letters long. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I digress. And I said to her, "If we get married, we are not hyphenating these <laughs> two names. No way." But it wasn't her, but it was it was somebody else, and she's great. I mean, this you know, I have nothing bad to say about these people, but it was a mindset that I was it was foreign to me. She said she was a pharmacist, and she said, "I'm so happy that everything I needed need to know in life, I've already learned." Really? And I I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I mean, that would. That would bring me to like suicidal thoughts. Well, clearly she hadn't been a parent yet. Yeah, well, that's true as well. But but just the notion to to aspire to a place where you've learned everything, like I aspire to the exact opposite. Yeah, well, uh, me too. I, mean, I, I I talk about in sales, in particular in sales. You know, people listening to this have heard this from me before. Is that when in sales you think you know everything is the first step on the road to failure because it's everything's going to start passing you by at that point. Because you well, live in a, an environment that's constantly changing, evolving, and growing, and you know, look at the you know, the world of technology around us. I mean, you you deal with large macro trends. You can't stand still. No, I mean, standing still is 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 death. Right. But but it, but it, it is uh, you know this. I just read a, an article on this just I think last week, and it was the the underlying thesis was that perceived knowledge and actual knowledge are inversely correlated. So the more you think you know something, the reality is that you actually know very little. And for the other people who think they know very little about something, the reality is they actually know quite a lot. So in other words, when you learn more about sales, when you learn more about technology, when you learn more about anything, you start to realize how much there is left to learn. Like because you become aware of the field and the expansiveness of the field and all the different dimensions and 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 so it's it's actually when you feel stupid that you're starting to get smart. Like, <laughs> I love that. So if <laughs> if you've ever been selling to a customer and and you just feel baffled by what they're telling you, that's the moment things are going to start getting better, right? If you apply yourself, if you keep asking the right questions and you know reading about what they're doing and learning about your product and service. Yeah, you're just at the beginning of the upward curve. Yeah, you know, I was, I was watching a video yesterday. Uh, it was talking about negotiation skills. It really, I mean, the, the, the gentleman who was being interviewed was a genius. And he was talking about all these different, you know, it's all of this stuff comes from neuroscience and, right. and it, really interesting stuff. And he was saying all these things. And, of course, it makes sense to hear, you know, this difference between familiarity and knowledge. Like, I'm familiar with those topics. I've heard them before. They don't surprise me when I hear them. But there's no way that I have kind of ready knowledge when I'm in the heat of the moment in front of the client, you know, or, or prospect or whatever the case may be to actually draw on that, you know, on that familiarity. Like, I couldn't use those those strategies in real life, because I just don't have that, you know, to, to the point where you become unconscious about it. Like it's mm-hmm. just natural. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and there's all these different strategies and things like he was talking about at the end of the sentence, having it go up at the end or having it go down and how the difference of how people perceive the information in those two settings. Well, I totally get it. It makes perfect sense. But would I have the consciousness and the, and the, the knowledge in that, you know, in the heat of the moment to draw on that, you know, on that on that knowledge in a practical way, no, because I would need to do that, and I actually don't do sales calls. I mean, I, I do certainly. There's an element of selling to what I do, but it, it's very different. You know, to for me to secure the the engagements that I get, it, it comes through marketing actually for the most part. 
So I don't have the practice. But for people who are doing sales every day, after a while, they start to become more and more conscious of these things. And I'm willing to bet that those people at that stage realize how much more they could be conscious of, like how many things they have not yet learned. Right. And when you have that realization is then you start getting a realization of how much more you can achieve. And I I think that's the real key for people listening to the show is that once you understand how much you have left to learn, it then starts painting a picture of how far you can go. Yeah. I mean, and that's when you see the, the extraordinary potential. Like I just, you know, one of my best friends, uh, I actually had coffee with him this morning and he's a great guy. He's got a heart of gold, but he's just constantly a pessimist. It's like, you know, I sent him a, a, a video yesterday, not the one I just mentioned to you, but a different one. Uh, and he just immediately dismisses it as something that's unnecessary for him. And, oh, he probably already knows that anyway. And I just immediately, as soon as he said he's a great guy, but I was like, come on, dude. I mean, you dismiss it so quickly as if though you know all this stuff. Like, why can't you be open? Because as soon as you, you're open to that, to learning something new, you realize that it, it's not just one thing. There's actually 10, and you've just learned the first one. There's nine more behind it. And every time you do one more, each one of those turns into 10 of their own. So you end up with 100 by the time you get to the first 10. Like there's, you know, it's like reading books. And, and I truly believe that leaders are readers. And I, I go through tons of books uh, all the time. And every time I read one book, I end up writing down the names of three others that are mentioned in the book, you know, one way or another that I end up wanting to read. So the list just keeps getting longer and longer. And I'm not suggesting that all those books are, are good because I've been disappointed many times with books, but my mindset is always to think what good can I pull out of it? Not what's wrong with it. You know, like for example, that there's a book out there called the power of habits, right? Charles which, Duhigg, right? Yeah. And it's, it, it's, I mean, it's a, the, it's a very powerful uh, concept and he, he, uh, the simplicity of it is deceptive, um, because it really is powerful. But, but there's some people who have said the book wasn't, you know, particularly well, well written. And I, I was having a conversation with, with somebody who was criticizing the way in which it was written. And I was like, did you miss, <laughs> like, did we, how is it possible that we both read the same book? And what you saw was like, you know, an imperfect writing style. And what I saw was an unbelievably powerful concept, which is remarkably simple to implement. And it's actually what you and I just talked about earlier on this call. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's great, like great book. Yeah, it, it's funny. And I, I'd sort of sum up that whole part of the discussion by saying it's, I, I love this phrase from Aldous Huxley about, you know, everybody should know something about everything and everything about something. And, you know, it's a great phrase, right? So we always want to aspire to learn as much as we can about as many things as we can. But we all have a field of endeavor that we need to master. We need to make sure we know everything about that that we can. Yeah, and knowing full well that you can never, it's it's not an achievable goal. Right. There's always more. It's like perfecting golf, right? You're never never going to perfect a golf or any other game necessarily, but... Yeah, yeah you, golf. I mean, that's. Yeah, that, I'm not even trying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so one last, one last point in this part of the conversation I want to talk about is is you talked about goal setting and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I thought there's an interesting uh, perspective you put on it, which is that people get stuck in the rut of setting realistic goals, which is sort of interesting. I think about it as you're saying that people really need to set 
these audacious goals because there's fewer people trying to achieve those audacious results. Thus, there's less competition for you. Yeah, well, this, I mean, this goes back to, you know, we were speaking earlier about the idea of, on the one hand, thinking much bigger, and on the other hand, taking smaller steps to uh, increase the probability that you succeed along the way. And I, I do believe in both of those, but but what, what you're referring to is really falls into the first of the two. And it, it's, it's something that I, I didn't, you know, I didn't come at this from an academic background or anything. I, I really stumbled on it myself because, um, you know, like I said earlier, I, I I was always waiting for that big, undeniable victory that I could lean on to be a, a speaker, and it never came. Um, but I did a number of things along the way, and, and one of the ones, there's kind of a whole story here, one of the ones in particular uh, was that I, I ended up submitting a proposal to speak at a conference in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was right at the beginning of my career. I mean, I, as a speaker, I mean, I I was complete newbie. I hadn't done anything like that before. And, you know, it kind of went back and forth a little bit, but they, they did end up selecting me to speak there, which was, I mean, I was literally scared to death. Um, you know, it it was an intimidating prospect for me, but when I went there, they told me that one of the reasons they hired me was because, (laughs) <laughs> because I'm an American from Silicon Valley, which I just thought was so absurd. You know, this, <laughs> you know, the 7 million people who live here in the, in the Bay area who all basically fall into that category There's nothing special about being here in the Bay area when you're here in the Bay area. But it turns out that when you're in a different part of the world, that's an asset. And they also told me uh, that, I was the only American who had submitted a proposal to speak at their conference. And I was just, I mean, I was just shell-shocked when I heard that. I, was, I couldn't believe it. That, that, I mean, literally I had, it's not that I had less competition. I literally had zero competition. I mean, there was nobody else. And so I, I, I was sold. And I started sending marketing material all over the world. I mean, literally all, like, I mean, every city you can't, I mean, I put together a huge list of meeting planners and, and just, every city you can imagine. And I, I started sending stuff out and, and it ended up being my advantage in the early, in the, those early years, you know, the hardest place to get paid to speak is in your own backyard. So, but you know, you go to Dubai, less Moscow, competition. Yeah. less competition, people, they kind of want someone like it does increase the credibility of the event when you have someone from the other side of the world, just like we're, you know, sometimes impressed if you, you know, you have an opportunity to hear someone speak who's from, you know, Germany or from, you know, Australia or something. And there's something, there's an exotic element to it just by nature because they're from somewhere else. And, and that was my, that was my advantage. That was my competitive advantage. And so I started thinking more and more about this idea of thinking bigger and, and, and embracing these big goals. You know, you look at, you know, again, Elon Musk and what he's doing with SpaceX and Tesla, and the power wall and all these things that they're introducing you know, even Steve Jobs, who, who, of course, you know, had a whole line of these in his career, he was the first every time uh, of doing, you know, what he was doing and the way in which he was doing it. He never had any competition at the time he launched something. You know, the competition came later, but at the time he launched it, he was always basically on his own because no one else had the guts to go after that big goal. Right. And I, I guess the, the thing is, you know, when you give people that kind of advice, then, uh, you know, some people just like come up with these 
unbelievably huge goals and, and you're, they're, they're not realistic at all. Like they're, you know, there's just no, you know, you have to look at it with some strategy and be like, okay, what can I actually do here? What, what is feasible? So there's a balance between, you know, having some realism in the process, but also being willing to take that risk and say, no, that the way to do this is not to make an incremental improvement on something that already exists. It's to completely revolutionize, you know, do, do it, do it the right way. Like, you know, with, in the case of Tesla, no one thought to produce a high performance electric car. They, they were doing incremental. They were producing slow, ugly electric cars. Right? And Elon Musk said, no, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to do what the customer wants. Eventually, the customer always gets what they want. It's a question of who's, who's got the, the guts. You know, you think to yourself, whoever's listening to, to this, just think to yourself, what's the completely unrealistic thing that your customers are asking for? One day, someone is going to deliver that. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be your company or is it going to be your competitor? One day, someone is going to do the thing that's totally unrealistic and totally unreasonable. I can't believe they're asking for this. It's ridiculous that they want this. One day, someone's going to do it. So why can't that be you? Why can't you at least allocate 10% of your time to figuring out a way to deliver that big goal? Because if you can do it, you'll be all on your own. And it's a lot of fun. Excellent. So, well, Patrick, it's been great talking to you. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Is uh, tell people how they can find out more about you. You know, I mean, I my uh, if you see my last name, there aren't a whole lot of them out there. So if, if you if you Google that last name, you'll find me. Actually, a really easy way to find me is bookpatrick.com. Uh, which there we go. That's that much much fewer letters. Yeah, I mean, if I relied on. You know my last name. I would never get any an email, but yeah, bookpatrick.com will get you to my website. And and certainly, if anyone has any any thoughts or questions, or uh, no, I, I'm very happy. I love hearing from people. So if you have any thoughts, please please get a hold of me. Okay, they can connect with you on LinkedIn as well. I presume. Yeah, absolutely, and I you know Facebook and Twitter and all the usual the usual spots. Excellent. So again, thanks for joining us. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. An easy way to do that is to subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. Take just a minute, go to iTunes, subscribe, and then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Patrick Schwertfeger, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.